Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Sharon, for that beautiful message and song. And isn't it a closer walk with him? That should be our prayer each and every day. Is Lord, give us a closer walk with you today than the day before. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 is we're going to pick up in verse 7 this morning. Uh, as you're turning there, I'll just say I hope you're enjoying the book of Ruth as much as I am. I'm learning a lot as I am preparing and studying through the week and uh, then as God always does in His sovereignty, uh, even more so in preaching on Sunday and we're getting close to the end and I don't want it to end. I want to learn more of the story of Ruth and you know it's interesting how many times you can go through a book of the Bible and you can study it. You can even study it in depth but the writer of Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And you know what that means? That means that every time we come to a book of the Bible, every time we come to a passage, there is something new for God to teach us. It's not that God's Word changes. God's Word is written. It is fulfilled. It is full of authority. It is inspired by God above. But God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, illuminates His Word and speaks into the depths of our hearts and teaches us just what we need to know exactly when we need to know it. But it's not just for head knowledge, it's for heart knowledge. And I pray that we're letting the message of Ruth soak into our hearts and change us and live uh, the way God would have us to live. Ruth, we saw last week that uh, Naomi gave Ruth a bit of a strange, um, direct, bit of strange directions in her life. We saw Naomi previous to last week Chapters 1 and 2 has been quite a quite bitter character. She's been bitter because she traveled to Moab and she was left empty. And God took her husband and her sons and she blamed God for this emptiness that she was feeling. She hears that there's bread in Bethlehem. And so she goes back to Bethlehem and providence of God. Ruth goes with her and uh, Naomi's still bitter. In fact, she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For God has dealt bitterly with me. She begins to blame God. And then in chapter 2, Ruth goes out to glean in the fields, going to work behind the harvesters to take for a portion for herself and her mother-in-law, which was completely legal in that day. And she was honored in the field of a man named Boaz. It didn't just happen. It was all in the providence and sovereignty of God that uh, Ruth was led here and gleans in Boaz's field. And she comes back at the uh, end of chapter 2 to Naomi with a great... Uh, harvest from her work and Naomi realizes she's been in Boaz's field and Naomi began her perspective begins to change and we saw the beginning of chapter 3 last week that Naomi has moved from a bitter woman to a blessed woman and that is what the grace of God will do in your life you can be bitter because of life circumstances and you can choose to stay there if you want to but when you look to God and you get your eyes on serving God and serving other people, there is no way you can stay bitter because God will put more joy in your heart than you can ever ask or imagine. God will give you peace that passes all understanding. And God will give you a new outlook on life that is not gloom and doom, poor is me. But it is an outlook of what does God have in store. And that is exactly where we are when we come to today's passage. What does God have in store? Naomi told Ruth, let me seek security for you. you. I don't want you to live the rest of your life as a widow. So I hear that Boaz is at the threshing floor tonight. I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to go down at the threshing floor. And when he lies down and goes to sleep, I want you to uncover his feet. And I want you to lie there 
till he wakes up. This was not some immoral request. We're not going to impose the standards of the culture of our day on the Bible and make the Bible say something the Bible does not say. I promise you, uh, Naomi was not directing Ruth to go and sin with Boaz. How do I know that? Because God never blesses sin. God would not have blessed Ruth if she would have stepped out of the moral boundary that God had put before her. Naomi knows that. Naomi's an Israelite. She was not uh, encountering uh, or directing Ruth to, to sin against Boaz, but she was directing Ruth to go and do just what the text says. Let's not read more into it than is there. She was directing Ruth to, to lay at Boaz's feet, uncover his feet, lie there in humility until he wakes up, and then to propose marriage to Boaz. And you say, well, that sounds like a strange request. Indeed, it does. But we're going to see in today's passage why Ruth had to do it this way. Look with me, beginning in verse 7. Uh, we see in verse 6, backing up, that Ruth went down to the threshing floor. She did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. Then we pick up in verse 7. And the text says, After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. And she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. So he asked, Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, May the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Don't miss that. We're going to come back to it. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went into the town. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, What happened, my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, He gave me six measures of barley because he said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, My daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. Are you willing to wait on God in order to find the divine blessings that God has to offer? That's what this passage is all about. And I ask you the question this morning, are you willing to wait on God until you're ready to experience the divine blessing that God has to offer? What's going on in this passage? Verse 7 says, After uh, Boaz eats and drinks, he was in a good spirits. He went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and Ruth comes, and she does just what Naomi had directed her to do. What is going on with Boaz at this point? I want to suggest to you that he's simply full from his nightly meal. Again, we're not going to read more into the text than is there. This does not mean that Boaz is drunk and about to do something crazy. He's simply full and happy. You and I both know that when we're hungry after a hard day's work, a good night's meal will do you good and prepare you for rest. That is the Bible's way of telling us this is what is going on with Boaz. 
So he goes in, he lies down at the, bar, uh, uh, the pile of barley, and Ruth comes and she uncovers his feet. Again, there is no indication in the text that Boaz is intoxicated. He's simply merry, as the text says. He's satisfied and he's ready for a night's rest to get up and work again tomorrow. Uh, this was God's chosen moment in the life of Ruth in Boaz for all that is about to unfold. Now, Naomi is directing uh, Ruth to do what she's about to do, but Naomi didn't rush to lead Naomi, uh, Ruth in this way. You see, they've been there. This is the end of barley harvest, so they, uh, Ruth has been gleaning in his field for months. And Naomi could have directed Ruth to go and propose marriage to Boaz before this time, but she did not. She was patient enough to wait and let the, let the events play out as they would, to let God work as he would. And Naomi was uh, content to wait before she directed Ruth to do what she's about to do. This passage is filled with the lesson on waiting on God. How many times do we get ourselves in a mess because God has not moved when we want God to move and we don't like to wait, so we get ahead of God, we try to do God's work for Him, we get out ahead of God and we realize God is not there. Naomi had learned this lesson the hard way. She's done that before, remember? She followed her husband out of Bethlehem to Moab. Wasn't God's direction for her to do that? Moab uh, was an enemy of God. Moab was a place of God's judgment. And yet, Elimelech said, there's food over there in Moab. I don't care how bad they're living. I don't care what the culture's like. We're gonna leave the house of bread in the promised land. We're gonna journey across the Jordan River and we're gonna go to Moab where we know there's food. And they got there and for 10 years, all they experienced was heartache death after death and then Naomi is left with no husband with no sons with two daughter-in-laws and she hears there's bread in Bethlehem of course there is God is always going to provide for his people in the promised land God is always going to provide for you when you're in the will of God but understand this if you don't wait on God and you step outside of the will of God God is not bound to his promises because you've chosen to step out of the will of God to do it on your own. And you know what Romans 1 says about when we choose to do it on our own? Go and read it sometime. It's a very stark picture of the world in which we're living in today. It says that man chose not to worship the creator, but instead chooses to worship the created, and God gives them over. God gives them over. God gives them over. At least three times Paul says that in a lengthy passage. And he says God gave them over to unnatural relations, where men for women and men desire relations with men and women with women. Man, do we see this playing out in our world today. Tell me the Bible's not prophetic. God is not going to bless us when we step outside of His will and choose to live life our own way or step in our own timing and say, God, you're too late. God, you've not shown up yet. God, I know a better plan. Just follow me. And that's never what God has called us to do. We've always called to follow God. But if you're going to follow God, it requires many seasons of waiting in life. Naomi waited. And now is the providential time for Ruth to act. You see, we miss so many, so much of the blessing of God when we're not content 
to simply wait and serve God until God says move. How, do I, how can I be content on waiting on God till God leads me to what's next? Well, you can walk with God and you should be growing your walk with God day by day. You need to please God in the things you do and the decisions you need to make. You need to share Jesus with lost people because we're living in a day and age in which Jesus could come back at any moment and He's called us to share the gospel with the lost and to the ends of the earth. And when you do those things, God will take care of you. Walk with God, please God, share Jesus, and God's going to take care of you. So what happens? Ruth goes and she lies down at his feet. She uncovers his feet and lays at them in humility. Verse 8, at midnight, Boaz was startled, and he turned over, and lying at his feet was a woman. Verse 8, so it happens. Boaz instantly wakes up at midnight. Why does he instantly wake up at midnight? Because his feet are cold. <laughs> it wakes me up at night, too. You ever... Wake up in the middle of the night because the covers are off your feet and you realize my feet are cold. i got to put the covers back on my feet. That's why Boaz wakes up. Ruth has uncovered his feet. She's lying there. She's done nothing to harm Boaz. She's not been immoral with Boaz. He just has cold feet, literally. And he wakes up and it's midnight and there are no lights to turn on so he can't see. But he knows there's somebody lying at his feet. Verse 9 says, he asks, who are you? He can't recognize her. And she says, I am Ruth, your servant. Don't miss what Ruth just said there. It is key to understanding what Ruth is doing with Boaz. It is key to understanding how we know this is a marriage proposal that Ruth is giving Boaz. She says, when he asks, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth, your servant. How, how often elsewhere in these chapters have we seen Ruth described with a label put on her name and everywhere else prior to this time, how is she labeled? Ruth the Moabitess. Just go back and look. Chapters 1 up until this passage in chapter 3 verse 9. Everywhere, when either she's describing herself or somebody else is describing her, they always say that woman is Ruth the Moabitess. She can't shake the fact that she's Ruth from Moab, sinful Moab, the place where the judgment of God is, the place where Naomi said, go back to because your parents are there. And, and that was awful advice because Naomi was directing Ruth to go back to sin. And Ruth said, no, where you go, I'm going to go. Your people are going to be my people, your God and my God. That was a declaration of faith in chapter 1. But Ruth could not shake her identity as the Moabite woman. It was kind of following her around everywhere she went. And that's how sin often does us. We can repent of it, we can move on, but the consequences often follow us. And Ruth has been known as the Moabitess all throughout the book of Ruth until now. And when Boaz asks who she is, by the way, he's already asked who she is before to his harvesters in the field, remember in chapter 2, and what did they say? She's Ruth the Moabitess. That's how she was known. But now he says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth, your servant or your maidservant or however your translation might identify her. 
What is she doing there? This is an ancient way of saying, I'm no longer the Moabitess. I'm proposing myself to be your wife. I'm at your hands, Boaz. I'm your servant. I don't want to be known as the Moabitess anymore. I want to come to your family. I want to come under your direction. I want to come under your patriarchal leadership. And I want to be your servant, your maidservant, your close relative, your wife. This is Ruth proposing herself to Boaz. She goes on and she says, take me under your wing for you are a family redeemer. Verse nine, I know it doesn't make sense in our culture, but if you were reading this in the ancient world and you heard what Ruth is saying to Boaz, you would have immediately known Ruth is asking Boaz if she can be his wife. She went, she uncovered his feet, she practiced humility. She already had a character of respect that followed her. Boaz points that out in just a moment. And now as he asks her identity, she says, I don't want to be known as the Moabite woman anymore. I want to be known as Boaz's wife. Verse 10, what does he say to her? He says, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Verse 10, if verse 9 is Ruth's proposal, verse 10 tells us why Ruth had to be the one proposed and not wait on Boaz to propose to her. Let's follow along, lean in and listen to what the text is saying. He responds to her and he says, May the Lord bless you. You've shown more kindness now than ever before. He knew uh, Ruth was a woman of character. She was a woman of respect. She had honored him. She had honored his workers. She had not taken more than she needed. She had been very respectful. And the fact that she left Moaz to go to Bethlehem with Naomi, uh, uh, she left uh, uh, Moab to go to Bethlehem with Naomi. Boaz had already noticed that. And he had already pointed out to her that I respect this and I honor this. And now he tells her, you've shown more kindness now than ever before. One thing is that she has not pursued sin with Boaz in the middle of the night like many prostitutes in that day would do. But she has lay there in humility, proposing herself at his feet. And then listen to what he says, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Boaz has pointed out Ruth's character here, but we also see Boaz's character here. Boaz was on up in age. Ruth was still a young woman. It would have been common for younger men to propose themselves to Ruth. She's a new young widow in town. The text says she's beautiful. She's respectful. She has a lot to offer. And Boaz just assumes, I'm not going to step in the way because the younger men will have their self proposed to her. A rich young man or a poor young man, but the fact is age matches age. And so I'm going to wait. This is Boaz's character at work. He says, you have shown more kindness because you've not gone after these young men who uh, society and the culture and the standards would have assumed you would go after. Instead, you're coming after me. That's why Boaz did not go and propose himself to Ruth because he thought it would have been unfair that she should be matched with a younger man who could provide for her and care for her. 
But he says, verse 11, don't be afraid, though. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Boaz has noticed Ruth's character, but he's not the only one. He says, everybody in Bethlehem know, Ruth, that you're a woman of noble character. I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember, but I told you when we started um, Ruth several weeks ago that in Jewish tradition, even today, that some Jewish texts place the book of Ruth right after the book of Proverbs. And so if you're reading it in a linear fashion, you finish Proverbs 31, which how does Proverbs 31 end? Talks about the woman of noble character, and then you immediately go into the book of Ruth. Because many Jews see Ruth as the embodiment of Proverbs 31. That Ruth would have been a, um, in that day, a modern day example of what Solomon was talking about. Remember, this is in the period of the judges. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. Few people are godly, and yet here is Ruth living a godly life in the midst of an ungodly world. And what is happening? Her character is following her everywhere. Everybody knows that she is a woman of noble character. Please do not miss this. This is why we know Ruth was maybe laying at Boaz's feet, but we know she was not doing anything moral because of her character. Can I tell you today, we live in a world where it seems people don't care about their character anymore, but God does. Be a man of character, be a woman of character, and your reputation will take care of itself. It will open more doors for you. God will use it to open more doors for you than you could ever open on your own. Ruth can't open this door on her own. It is God working but God has protected her. She has honored uh, a godly character. She has, uh, has a reputation, a godly reputation that follows because she's lived an upright life. And now God is about to open up a door of blessing to Ruth that she could not ask or imagine. I recently read a book written by James Merritt. Um, the title of the book's Character Still Counts. It's a wonderful book if you want to give it a read. We live in a world where character doesn't count anymore, it seems. Just do whatever you want to do. Just live life however you want to live. Just treat people however you want to treat them. But can I tell you today, character still counts because it counts with God. God is looking for men like Boaz and God is looking for women like Ruth who don't care what the world is doing, don't care what the world is saying, don't care how everybody else is going, don't care what it used to be like in Moab or what it might be like in the future Bethlehem who trust God today and leave everything else to God and say, God, make me a man of character, make me a woman of character and your reputation will follow. God will take care of that if you will just center your faith on God, look to God, be a person of character, God will use it to open doors for you in the waiting that you could never open on your own. Character still matters. Verse 12 says, yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Boaz knew that he was not the closest relative. There was somebody else that was ahead of him in line, and he's, again, his character, he's not going to go behind this man's back and try to sneak uh, Ruth in to his family when there was a closer relative in line. Boaz was not a behind-the-back kind of man. Everything was up front. It was out in the open. It was the way it should be. 
And he says, there's someone closer than I am. Verse 13, so stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that is good. He can redeem you. But if he doesn't, I will step in and I will redeem you. Bible says, so she lay down back at his feet until morning, got up when it was still dark. And Boaz says, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Not that anything went on, but just because he wanted to just dial down the talk that would be in the town. And he told Ruth, bring the shawl you're wearing out and hold it. He measures six measures of barley into her shawl and she goes back into town. And then verse 16, she arrives back to Naomi. And look what Naomi says. What happened, my daughter? And we can't, we can't really get the full effect of what Naomi said to Ruth in the English translation, but let me tell you what Naomi says in the Hebrew, the original language. Ruth comes back into Naomi's house, and Naomi looks at Ruth and she says, Who are you, my daughter? Who are you? You say, she didn't recognize her? Of course she recognized her. What Naomi wants to know is, how did it go? Are you still Ruth the Moabitess? Are you Ruth, Boaz's wife? What's going on? Who are you? How did it go? Are you Ruth the Moabitess? Are you still Ruth the widow? Are you Ruth, soon to be Mrs. Boaz? Tell me everything. And the text says, then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. Ruth didn't leave anything out. Verse 17, she said, he gave me six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And look at Naomi's direction in verse 18. My daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. Naomi is giving Ruth good advice still. Ruth comes in and Naomi wants to know, who are you? Has there been a change? Are you soon to be Mrs. Boaz? And Ruth tells her, and Naomi says, my daughter, just wait. She didn't tell Ruth to go follow Boaz around town. <laughs> go follow him, see that he talks to the Redeemer soon. Listen to what they say. Bug him until he gives you an answer. She didn't tell her any of that. She said, Ruth, just wait. Just wait because we have confidence in Boaz. We know the kind of man he is. We know he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Just wait here until you find out how things go because he's not going to rest until he settles it today. What is the lesson for us in this today as we read this passage? You and I serve a God much more faithful than Boaz. Boaz is a man in the text who exemplifies godly character and godliness to us. He's an earthly picture of what it's like to live a godly life, but Boaz was not a perfect man. But we serve a God who is perfect. And what God says He's going to do, God is going to do. God has provided salvation for us, 
And if you're here today or you're under the sound of my voice today and you don't know that you are secure in the hands of God, not because you have saved yourself, but because you've trusted in God to save you, because you know you cannot save yourself, know today that God has gone to great lengths to send his one and only son to be a sacrifice for your sin. And the only way to be right with God is to trust Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and came back to life. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response. And if you do not know today that you are right with God eternally, beyond all shadow of a doubt, then you need to make that right today. Because we serve a God who is faithful to step in and not to be a kinsman redeemer, but to be an eternal redeemer for my soul and your soul. That is our greatest need in life. Our greatest need is eternal salvation. And God has provided that. But if you have trusted God to provide that, if God can take care of your greatest need, then please tell me what other needs God cannot take care of. I think he's got it all covered. I think he's got it handled. He may not be moving through right now when you want him to move through. He may not be answering your prayers right now exactly how you want them answered. He may be saying to you, wait. But if God says, wait, just wait. Don't try to step out and get ahead of God. Don't try to do it your own way. Don't try to fulfill God's plans for you. Let God fulfill His plans for you. Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted on the, in the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Do you understand what the psalmist is saying there? Wait, be still. And know that I'm God. Now, waiting on God does not mean is not a license to be lazy and to say, well, I'll go to church, but I'm really not going to serve. I'm not going to do anything because I'm just waiting on God to show me what to do. <laughs> There's things the Bible, God has already answered that you need to be doing. Number one, you need to be living faithful to God, faithful to his church, faithful to your family. And then you need to be sharing Jesus with lost people. You don't have to pray about that. God's already commanded you to do it. But specifically, when you have things that you're praying for, answers that you want to see, keep serving God. In fact, one of the Hebrew words for wait uh, is kind of like we get the English word waiter from. What does a waiter do in a restaurant? He doesn't just sit there as you're sitting at your table. What does he do? He brings you your food, your drink. He cares for you. He serves you. The Bible calls us to wait on God. We are to keep serving God, being faithful, doing what we know the Bible has called us to do until God shows up and leads you to your next assignment. But wait on God. If you don't wait on God, you're going to get yourself in a heap of trouble. You're going to end up like Naomi with a mess in Moab. But you wait on God, you have no idea the blessings upon blessings upon blessings that God is going to bestow upon you. Naomi looked at Ruth and she said, wait, my daughter. He's going to come through. I believe God is looking down on us today. And by the authority of His Word and the power of His Holy Spirit, He's looking at some of us and He's saying, Just wait, my child. Just wait.
Be still. Know I'm God. Enjoy me. Enjoy who I am. Enjoy my faithfulness. Enjoy my love. Enjoy my provision. Just wait. And at the right time, in the right way, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to move with the answer that you need. And it's going to be a perfect time, a perfect place, and a most perfect provision for you. But if you don't wait, you can go and try to find it yourself. But you're going to miss all the blessings that I have in store. What about you today? Do you know that you're a child of God? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not just a kinsman redeemer, but your eternal redeemer? If you're here with us and you need to make that decision secure today, we're going to have a time of response in just a moment. And I want to lead you in a time of prayer. And I'm not asking you to repeat what I say. I'm asking you to be honest with God in your own heart and tell Him that you're a sinner and you, you need a Savior and you know He's the only way and you want to trust Him today, and then come forward and share that. We want to make that public. We want to celebrate with you because the Bible commands us to do so. If you're watching online and that's decision on your heart, then right where you are, get still and quiet before the Lord, and you can make that decision today. There's going to be some information there on your screen. Contact us. Let us know because we want to follow up and lead you in the next steps. But if you know you're a child of God, I think one of the greatest challenges for us as Christians is waiting on God. It goes against our human nature. Our culture is playing against it big time. We don't have to wait on anything anymore. Warren Wearsby once said, the greatest evidence of your trust in God will be your willingness to sit still and let Him have His way. The greatest evidence of your trust in God will be your willingness to sit still and let God have His way. Would we come to that place today? Because I want us all enjoying the blessings of God collectively. I want you living in the blessings that God has for you. It may not look like how God has blessed you, blessed somebody else next to you, but it's going to be perfect for you. I want you enjoying the blessings of God. I want our church enjoying the blessings of God. But if we're going to do that, then like Ruth, we've got to sit still. We've got to know who God is. We've got to know what God requires of us. And we've got to be faithful to do the simple things that God requires of us. And then we've got to pray until God shows us the next thing. But if we don't wait on God, we will miss blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Will you be still today and know that He's God? Exalted in the earth, let Him be exalted in your heart. In a fast-paced world, wait on a God who wants to lead you to ultimate provision. Right before... Virginia and I came here as your pastor and wife. We had been a season of ministry that was quite difficult. Began about probably six months to a year before the Lord led us here of knowing that God was moving us ministry-wise. But 
not really understanding what God was doing, but seeing God move in a, in a way that God was making it clear that He had something else for us. And it was really a time in our life where we just prayed. We were discouraged quite often and just decided to wait, whatever that meant. Didn't really know that God was going to open up a door the way He did or lead us out of a door the way He did. We were expecting something much easier and it made more sense to us. Then one night in late January, early February, God made it clear that in order for us to experience the next blessing that God had in store, we would have to step out on faith and step, follow God out of a door and able to be led into the next door. It was a hard, difficult season. We didn't like to wait. We wanted an immediate answer. We wanted an easy provision. God just call us to a new church. <laughs> Let us say goodbye and say hello. It didn't work that way. But the moment we decided in all difficulty, and this is to bring no honor and glory to ourselves because I'm here to tell you it was the last thing we wanted to do. And it was one of the most difficult journeys we've had so far. We stepped out and we said, we don't really have an answer why, but we know the Lord is leading us away from this specific assignment and we don't really know where He's leading us to next. But we want to be faithful because as we wait on God, this is what God has said. And God gave me a very clear scripture in that time. And that's really was the confidence to be able to make the decision that he was calling us to make. Because I believe God always confirms by his word. God gave the passage of Jesus walking on the water to Peter. And he said, Peter, you step out, you keep your eyes on me. You too can walk. And Peter did. And I believe it literally that Peter was walking on water as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But what did it take? It took faith. Then he looked around and he began to see the storms and he sank and Jesus had to pull him up. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what God is calling you to. I don't know what decisions you're struggling with. I don't know what God is doing in your life or what you're wanting God to do in your life. But just wait on him. Just trust Him. He's probably going to call you to make some hard decisions. And I know they're going to be decisions of faith because Hebrews says without faith it is impossible to please God. But if you will step out on faith and you will do what makes sense to nobody else around you, it doesn't even make sense to you a lot of the time, but you will wait on Him and trust Him, you will find blessings beyond your wildest imaginations. Wherever you are today, would you just trust God? and leave the rest to Him. Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for being capable. Thank You for meeting us right where we are, but God, taking us to where we could never go on our own. Lord, forgive us for our lack of trust, our lack of faith. Forgive us for allowing the hurried world we live in to feed into our spiritual life and making it so hard to wait on you and trust you. Lord, thank you for this message today from Ruth. God, thank you that she was a woman of noble character. Ruth was a man of noble character and they obeyed you even when it was hard, hardest, even when nobody else in the world around them was looking to you. God, that is exactly who you're looking for today. And I pray that even now, as we respond to you, that you would raise up 
Boaz, Ruth. God, that if anyone needs to give their life to you, that now is the time. God, as we, as children of yours, repent of things in our life where we've tried to do it our own, that God, we would lay that down today and say, God, just help me enjoy the waiting. God, may we come to this altar. May we pray for those who are lost and don't know you. May we pray for those who need greater faithfulness in serving you, beginning with ourselves. Lord, this is your time. Don't let us pass you by. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.